another edition of Beat the Closing Number. My name is Steven Andres with Mo Nawara, filling in for Eli this week, doing my best to duplicate his patented podcast open. It is week 17 in the National Football League, and in this show, Mo and I will look at some of the notable line movement early in the week for week 17, talk about a couple of early week bets we have, and potentially some other games we are eyeing to bet later in the week if we get the number that we like. So first of all, Mo, how are you? How did week 16 treat you over the holiday weekend? Week 16 was a good week for me, aside from having to watch the Chiefs. Uh, actually, <laughs> thankfully, I didn't get to watch that much of that game. was busy with family Christmas stuff, so uh, was spared the majority of the game. Did turn it on in the fourth quarter and bet the Raiders live because I was disgusted with what I was seeing, so that ended up working out with me uh, for me. But uh, yeah, overall, uh, definitely a good week for me betting-wise. Bad week for CLV, but... I had some plays that ended up being really strong, I think, based on what we saw. But, like, the market was not a fan of them. I mean, Patriots, Steelers, Chargers, these all moved against me, and they all ended up being really strong bets, I think. Yeah, I I was wrong about the Steelers. You know, hand raised, fully admit it. You and Eli were dead on when it came to the Steelers and that number moving too much from the first meeting a couple of weeks ago, even though Mason Rudolph was the quarterback. So hat tip to you on that. We were aligned, all three of us, all week about Denver. I don't know how anybody could lay six with Denver, then six and a half, and then by kickoff it's seven and a half. And like I know Hunter Henry was inactive, but like, my God, what are we doing here with the Denver Broncos offense? It was ridiculous from the start. Certainly didn't expect the Patriots to win outright, but also certainly not surprised that it happened as well. So um, cert- that's that's just not a team that uh, I'm very bullish in. I know you're not very bullish in either. So it was certainly interesting. Before we move on to Week 17, as a Chiefs fan, I got to get your reaction and your opinion to the Raiders fan faking giving a football to a kid who is a Chiefs fan at the game. I thought it was great Raiders culture, but apparently uh, X was up in arms over this. I thought it was funny, too. I I can't get mad about that. It's a free roll. You you don't sit in the front. I mean, ever expect anything. It'd be cool if somebody hands you something, sure, but I don't know. I mean, you know, he's, he's trolling the Chiefs fans. I mean, why not? Yeah, everybody just relax, okay? I'm sure the kid got plenty of good Christmas presents that morning before he went to the Chiefs game and had a nice tailgate and had a good time at the game right up until the game started. If you should be mad at anybody, you should be mad at the Chiefs for ruining his Christmas with that putrid performance they put onto the field. So That uh, was the worst game I think the Chiefs have played. My buddy was saying maybe since Andy Reid took over, and I was like... that might not be out of line. I mean, it's definitely the worst game they've ever played with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. I, that Denver game, at least they moved the ball in that game. This game was just, like, horrific. A couple of our staff members haven't finished their power rankings yet. You, uh, among the ones that have, you still have the Chiefs fourth, and you are by far the highest. The rest of us don't have them higher than sixth. So I assume, based on our exercise of of ranking teams based on who you'd have favored on a neutral field, you still have faith that other than when they play the Niners, Ravens, or the Bills, that the Chiefs are fine and they'll figure it out. 
Um, I yeah, I think not the, the Chiefs Bills, are, the Dolphins. Sorry, Ra- probably Ravens still, and yeah. Dolphins. You have over the Chiefs. Yeah, I did. I did bump the Dolphins up. I thought they played very well against Dallas. Um, at the end of the day, they still held an NFL offense to sixty-two yards passing. I mean, that's like <laughs> yeah, right. Like this is just a classic game where they gave away two scores and like old Chiefs, whatever they could overcome that but the way they want to play this year it's like impossible now because they have to be playing in a in a situation where they can have neutral play calling and and stuff like that like they just don't have the passing oomph anymore to just erase deficits like that so uh at least one obviously very fluky play and other one you can debate what what happened there uh but yeah, obviously two defensive scores, not very predictive, and I just just an overall piss poor performance, and something that I, I expect the Chiefs will play better. But uh, would I be surprised if this was just the worst season they had uh, in this era? Probably not. But um, yeah, it's still this is still an extremely strong defense, though. I mean, they're yeah. this defense is legit. I, I mean, they they put the clamps on. The Bills, which is just moving the ball on everybody, but I mean they had one quarter of moving the ball against the Chiefs, and then they they just got put in a cage the rest of that game. So I, I think as long as the offense doesn't go, this is so weird to talk about the Chiefs this way, but as long as the offense doesn't completely give away games, I mean they're still going to be in, in in it against anybody. We'll save the analysis of their next game against the Bengals for later in the week on the Thursday edition of Beat the Closing Number and also the Megapod on Friday. They host the Cincinnati Bengals. I will at least note that there was a little bit of early week line movement on this game supporting the Bengals moving this game off of seven and a half uh, down to seven on that one. Let's move forward here, though, Mo, with week 17, and we're going to begin with Thursday night football. The New York Jets, what's left of them, are heading on the road to take on the Cleveland Browns. We have a spread in this one now sitting at seven. Total in this game, a very low 36 and a half. I suppose that's where it has to be when it's a game involving the New York Jets. But your weather report also just came out on the lines.com here on Tuesday afternoon. Pretty clear skies and no precipitation, not much wind. And for a late December game in Cleveland, that's pretty much all you can ask for. So that's not pushing this total down. We've talked about in recent weeks how pass-heavy the Browns have been uh, with Joe Flacco at quarterback. So their totals have been sailing over. But to get to an over here, you got to probably hope that the Jets offense does something. So what's your just initial reaction here to this line moving up from the six, six and a half range on the look ahead and the early open now all the way up to seven for Cleveland. Yeah, I believe as low as five and a half actually. So I'm a little bit tempted. There's a seven and a half on the jets. It's minus minus one twenty, I think at DraftKings. I'm a little bit tempted to play the jets, but I'm also just like looking at the jets, knowing Jacoby Brissett just shredded them. Uh, I mean, 20-point comebacks being allowed to Washington is a pretty rough look. And now you have a really bad offense short week on the road against a team that is defending at historic levels at home, for sure. Every time I watch Joe Flacco, I just can't figure out what's going on because 
it feels like a Joe Flacco implosion is like a step away. It, he's still making a lot of mistakes and really bad throws, but some absolutely absurd throws as well. I mean, that last game, some of those throws he was making are on the sideline uh, into pretty good coverage against Houston were just completely outrageous. But the mistakes against this Jets D are, are also pretty scary. Like, they really punish you for those mistakes. Uh, a lot of ball hawks in the secondary. A lot of uh, strong pass rush up front. But, man, if this is Trevor Simeon, I mean, he is so bad. All he did was basically hand off and dump off to Brees Hall. Brees Hall had a million touches. He had 12 catches, I think. I mean, that that's not going to work against the Browns. Like, I'm facing Brees in a fantasy final this week, and that I'm just, like, licking my chops on that matchup. I'm like, I, I hope my opponent's, like, excited to play Brees. I mean, he has a very strong, deep team, obviously, since we're in the finals. But it's like, I, I don't think it's, like, out of line to, to play somebody over Brees this week. I, I'm, I agree. I, I ultimately probably just won't bet this, but... Yeah, I mean, be, the Browns being a touchdown favorite, it does kind of make sense if you just look at this matchup of this Jets offense against this Browns defense. I do not know how the Jets are going to move the ball at all in this game. Yeah, I agree with you on Flacco. I've been kind of seeing the same thing, right? Like, if you look at EPA and CPOE composite this year of quarterbacks with at least 150 plays, he's 27th out of 40. So, uh, not great, but also not... PJ Walker and not Dorian Thompson Robinson bad, right? So it's certainly an improvement, but it doesn't mean that he's league average in terms of success rate. He's 28th out of 40 quarterbacks and he has a negative CPOE. His, his completion percentage over expected is 38th only ahead of Kyler Murray and Aiden O'Connell. So it's just like Stefanski's YOLO ball in this man. Like it, it, he's just saying, what else do we have to lose at this point? I'm on my fourth quarterback who actually has some, some passing experience in the league. And I actually want to get your take here on, on something I've been thinking about in the futures market. I know you have Bill's Super Bowl futures, but right now it looks like the Browns are probably going to be the five seed. They would go on the road to take on the AFC South champ, which still looks like it's the Jags to lose, even though they're going backwards right now. They have an easy schedule to finish out. So that's a pretty winnable game for the Browns. And then depending on what happens in what's the projected Bills-Chiefs game in the 3-6, if the Bills were to win that, then they would go to take on the Ravens. If the Bills lose that, then it would be the Browns that go and take on the Ravens. So I don't I don't think I want to back the Browns against like potentially Miami in a divisional game. I don't think their blitz would get or their pass rush would get home with Tua holding the ball. But I think there's at least a path here where the Browns could go pretty deep into the playoffs with with what you and I probably think the Ravens being a little bit overrated in market at this point. Yeah, I mean the Browns, you know they're not scared of the Ravens. I mean right. they walked into their stadium and kind of punked them. In the second half, for sure. So you know they're not scared of the Ravens, and uh, I, I think maybe the Chiefs might be kind of a bad matchup for them if they were to end up facing the Chiefs somehow. Although that seems like it would be tough, but uh, I mean, you can't really count the Browns out because of the big plays that Flacco is producing and 
how strong their defense is. It's tough to live that way, like in a multiple game stretch, though, like you were saying about success rate. I mean, I think could we get to the championship game? That's the question, because then you have options because the ticket right now you can get 25 to one Browns AFC. I think so. Uh, Yeah, I think so. Three games would be tough. It's just tough to string together that many wins without, you know, consistently moving the sticks like you were saying with the success rate. But when you have the high end plays and when you have the defense that's going to travel, I think they're probably live against anybody. Yeah, I I agree with you, man. I think the path might be there. Like, Like I said, like the way you got to remember everybody, the, the, the NFL playoffs are not a fixed bracket. So the lowest remaining team goes to the one seed and that would not be the Browns of the bills pulling upset as well as a lower seed wildcard team. So um, if, if it, if the Browns play the dolphins, if that's what the path might be, like a lot of this is just dependent on what happens with the bills and their game. So, and we're not going to know that betting futures, but at 25 to one, I, I might sprinkle this and roll the dice a little bit. If I do, I will certainly post it in the lines.com discord, which you can find for free in the top right-hand corner of the lines.com homepage. Uh, Mo, no Monday night football game this week to avoid rest disadvantage in the final week of the season. Therefore we have Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on Saturday night. And what is certainly one of the game of the week candidates, the Detroit lions on the road to take on the Dallas Cowboys, we are up to six here for the Cowboys. There is one six and a half juice towards the Lions over under at a throwback 53 and a half here like that. We have not seen this since maybe like the Thursday night kickoff between the Chiefs and the Lions before all of us knew that scoring would be down this year. So uh, what are your initial thoughts here on side and total for the Lions and the Cowboys? Well, I do kind of like the Lions. Um, we did have a Cowboys minus four and a half on the look ahead at FanDuel. Other sites were at five and a half. I personally thought four and a half was probably the better line. And now we're looking at sixes. So I'm interested in the Lions. I'll likely be on them at six or better. I think it's I think it's kind of a good matchup for them. Um, you have a Dallas defense that loves to play man, third and man rate. And we've talked, uh, me and Eli, a bunch about how <clears throat> Jared Goff does sometimes struggle to read zone coverage, makes a lot of mistakes, throws it to a lot of linebackers, um, but shouldn't be as big of an issue here. Either that or Dallas is going to have to change the way they play defense, which is probably not ideal for them either. And yeah, playing indoors here obviously is big for Jared Goff, especially in the colder uh, months. So I think that potentially plays into the Lions' favor here. I also just like the matchup they have up front um, with their offensive line healthy again, elite run blocking unit. We have seen Dallas get crushed on the ground before, most notably by the Bills. Mozzie Smith still playing a lot of snaps, 40% to 50% the last couple weeks. He's been one of the worst run defenders in the NFL this year. Um, and the Dallas pass rush hasn't really been looking all that impressive either. I mean, <clears throat> It's ultimately landing their 16th in pressure, 20th in adjusted sack rate. We saw Micah Parsons get completely neutralized um, against the Dolphins. So I think when you have as good of an O-line as uh, the Lions do, you've got a shot here. I do worry what what could happen in a negative script here if they somehow do fall behind early. Uh, 
Definitely want the Lions to be mixing in their running game. Definitely don't want Jared Goff to be a sitting target for Micah Parsons. But, yeah, I just I don't think there's that much separating these two teams. I mean, I was pretty excited a few weeks ago about Dallas, and last week I grabbed some 10-to-1 Super Bowl with a free bet. But <clears throat> disappointing performance against Miami. Multiple not great performances in a row. Uh, I just think this might be what the Cowboys are. They're just an above average, you know, a good team, but one that I don't know if they can really slow down this Lions offense. I mean, the Lions can keep pace here. And with this with this offense, I mean, the back door is always open if they're down with an offense like this. So it, the line's a bit too high for me. As far as the total goes, I would say uh, it's hard to see teams getting stops in this one but man these 53 and a half numbers do not tend to be seeing a lot of overs not not a lot of room for for mistakes you better, or, you better convert most of the red zone trips right yeah or sh- sh- longer drives uh pretty much need a lot to go right to hit a, a number like this so <clears throat> i would i would probably say the under is a lean um but more excited about the lions you know, I, my initial reaction when I saw the number reopen was this was a lot for Dallas. And hearing your analysis of it, I, I think I'm probably going to have a bet on this with you at some point this week. But with the early Dallas money, I'm kind of just content to sit and see how much interest there is in the Cowboys and see if we get an even better number on the Lions at this point. You know, the Cowboys defense has gotten a lot of love for most of the season, but we would be remiss without pointing out the extremely easy schedule it played for most of the year. And now for the past month, which is a sample size of games against Seattle, Philadelphia, Buffalo, and Miami, over that span, this Cowboys defense is 27th by EPA per play. They are 30th by success rate against the pass. They are worse than Detroit, a defense we have been railing against for the past four to eight weeks about how poor their defense has been um, by dropback success rate, they're 30th. So every which way you slice this now there, there's a game in there against Seattle where they just couldn't do anything and they moved the ball at will, but um, they looked a little bit better against Miami, I would say. But at the, at the same time, Mo, you made the point that Miami still moved the ball at will pretty much in that game as well. They just, couldn't quite convert in the red zone 5.9 yards per play for Miami. And I was looking at that in the middle of the game for most of the game, they were over six against Dallas. Yeah. They kicked a ton of field goals and, and obviously like anybody's going to look worse against a schedule like that. But I mean, the lions are a pretty similar team to the Seahawks. Like they uh, do have a quarterback who is willing to attack downfield, but needs protection. They have strong receiving weapons, obviously, not a better running game than the Seahawks and a better offensive line. So better overall. And yeah, like you said, the Seahawks did whatever they wanted in that game. And uh, I know Dallas has been better at at home, but I think it's mostly based on the offense and not the defense. So um, as long as the Lions just get a few stops in this game, I think they're going to be right there. I mean, this offense should be able to be right there with, with Dallas in this game, I, I just don't think there's that many points separating these two teams and just six, six and a half. I mean, maybe <clears throat> maybe I should just wait it out like you because, like I said, my timing wasn't the best last week. Uh, <laughs> even though I had a lot of good reads, but I just didn't get a lot of good numbers. Yeah. 
I think is a good bet, even if it's six. Um, and we'll see. Hopefully, we don't lose the key number there, the keyish number of six, and get into the dead zone of five and a half. Um, but yeah, I I agree with you. Against the schedule that Dallas has played over the past month, the defense isn't going to be as good. I just didn't expect them to go from like one of the best in metrics all season to now in this sample one of the worst. You know, I didn't expect that much of a drop, which is pretty telling for me. Um, they are, I agree. They're almost a carbon copy of Detroit. I think that's well said. I think it's, a you know, these two teams are, you know, the Spider-Man meme currently looking at each other. So we'll certainly see how it plays out. But I think you and I are aligned that at some point here, we're probably going to have a Detroit ticket uh, in our account. The other game of the week is on Sunday. It's an early kickoff. Kind of surprising to see a game like this at one o'clock on a Sunday, but the Miami Dolphins are going on the road to take on the darlings of the NFL this week, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, this one has seen some action in support of Baltimore. This reopened at Ravens minus three at home. We are now at four, Mo, and uh, mostly fours across the board. There is one three and a half left over under in this game is sitting at 47. Are you as surprised as I am that this much action right away came in on the Ravens despite already being a field goal favorite? Yeah, I am. I, I think people just a little bit over exuberant about the big road win against the Niners. Good time to sell the Ravens. Don't understand the move up to four. I thought three feels right. Maybe you could go up to like minus three, minus 120 here. That seems like a good line to me. I just can't see this being four, really. So at four, I'm definitely interested in Miami. I mean, you, you just have a game where the Ravens like it basically looks like they destroyed the Niners final score a big pretty much the whole game. I mean, second quarter on, I think they had the lead and big lead in the third. But, you know, plus five in turnovers, I mean, plus four in penalties, and they lose yards per play by one. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, you can always look at yards per play and just say, okay, that was the better team because that's definitely not the case. You know, sometimes – um Game state plays into that, right? But even you look at the Niners, like <clears throat> they're marching the ball up and down the field, and then they, then like like their yards per play was even better before they stalled out on the one, whatever it was, the one or the two. They took you know five plays and and gained one yard. That's obviously going to hurt that number. I think and at like, halftime they were close to eight yards per play. Yeah, I mean Purdy had seven point nine, I think it said per attempt before he. Uh, exited the game with the stinger. Um, so I think I was right about that game as well. We both were. You even got a better number than me there. I didn't get a bad number there but because I think it closed even higher, but we both hit the over. You bet it really early. You got 45 and a half. I got 46, um, and I think that was, that was right. I mean, the 49ers were marching. You had uh, the Ravens putting some very nice drives together as well, and – uh, making all their field goals, obviously that helps too. So that was a strong bet. But like, I'm not going to sit here and say, okay, Ravens clear cut better than we thought. Like, we don't know that based on that game. I mean, it was right. just one of those games where a lot of things went right for them. And, you know, they played well as well. I'm not saying they didn't, but I'm not going to sit here and say, okay, they're multiple points better than we thought before that game. And, the Dolphins played well, and the Dolphins seem to have a situation where it just doesn't matter who their offensive linemen are. 
basically same as the Niners. So I guess Kyle Shanahan tree linemen are irrelevant if they're not Trent Williams. And the defense, I was skeptical of it, but with Vic Fangio getting this unit kind of coalescing into shape here throughout the middle of the season, it really does seem like they're coming together and playing much better. And you have Tyree Kill against a secondary that he embarrassed last year. Flat out embarrassed, 190 yards on 11 catches. Only concern here could be the Jalen Waddle injury. It does not sound like he's going to be able to play. Uh, I saw a high ankle sprain and didn't sound like they were thinking about this week. Sounded like they were thinking, okay, when's he going to be coming back down the road? Undergoing uh, he, further evaluation on Monday. Yeah, he had 170 yards, basically identical stat line to Tyreek when these teams played last year. Both of them scored twice. Um, if he's out, I, I can somewhat understand why the market is interested in the Ravens, but I still think Miami might have enough with their defense and Tyreek Hill here. Four, four and a half, if it if it were to go any higher. I think this is definitely one I'm going to look at and wait and see where it goes. But, yeah, if the market stays interested in the Ravens, I'm going to be interested in Miami. Mike McDaniel did say it is looking more like a high ankle injury, like you mentioned, Mo. So that typically means more than a one-week absence. Um, Tyreek Hill came back last week after just one game out from that. We'll see if, if it's the same for Waddle. I've there have been other players who have needed a month to come back from something like this. And with the position the Dolphins were in, uh, are, are find themselves in, it, wouldn't it be prudent to just hold him out to the playoffs? Make a lot of sense to me, that's for sure. Um, certainly big game here, though, to potentially control. If the Dolphins win, then they control their destiny for the one seed if they beat Buffalo in the final week of the season. Uh, also, obviously, a lot of MVP implications here, which we won't get into now, but certainly I'm sure we'll talk more about this uh, throughout the week at thelines.com on our podcast. And also the latest MVP column is up right now from Evan Scrimshaw on the site. This this market is wild. It just keeps getting flipped on its head. And Lamar Jackson now the favorite almost by default after everybody else just continues to uh, decide they don't want to win it this year. So <laughs> it has to be somebody the favorite in this week. It's Lamar Jackson, even though he's way behind in a lot of the statistical categories uh, that they're they're looking at. So, <clears throat> uh, next game, another game with playoff implications, at least for the Buffalo Bills. They are hosting the New England Patriots right now, as we record on Tuesday afternoon. Bills are a twelve-point favorite over the New England Patriots. You can find an eleven and a half. This was as high as twelve and a half. I think, Mo, on your, your look-ahead column, you were seeing 13, 13 and a half here. Correct me if I'm wrong. And a total in the low 40s here. Yeah, there was as high as 13 and a half on Caesars uh, for the opening numbers last week. I thought that was – and I, I wrote the I wrote the article, I think, even earlier last week on, like, Wednesday. That, that was, like, a legit opener. Like, no movement yet, I think. Um, I thought that was kind of insane. Uh, I'm less excited at 12, 11 and a half. It's starting to get closer to where I think it's probably fair, but I still would lean Patriots. They are elite against the run. Um, just, I, I think they entered last week first in success rate, first in EPA per play. And then you have a Bills offense that is leaning away from Josh Allen and trying to lean all the way into its running game. Uh, 21 pass attempts for Josh Allen last week. 
And obviously everybody knows what happened the week before when they basically didn't pass against Dallas. So that I think is one of the couple of things I, I see playing into the Patriots favor here. The other one is the total. I mean, 41, it's just tough to cover a number like this with 41 as the total. You do have a pretty predictable Patriots offense, I think, that just doesn't really do anything exciting, but does kind of minimize mistakes right now with Bailey Zappi, with uh, Hunter Henry, if he's hopefully back. Um, against the Bills defense that has kind of seemed like it's finding their way after some injury issues in the middle of the season, I do worry about Bailey Zappi possibly in a negative script, kind of the same way when I bet the Bills against the Jets at home. I believe they were like seven and a half, eight point favorites. And uh, yeah, they just, Zach Wilson in a negative game state against a decent defense. It's just, it can get ugly, right? So uh, I'm a little worried about that here because uh, that could definitely blow up. But it, this is another one. If there's late interest in the Bills, like the Bills got steamed pretty good last week, I think. I wasn't like paying a ton of attention to the the closing markets or anything. I already had my bets locked in pretty early. And then I just was like, you know, it was busy late. With holiday stuff. And, it was late. Like yeah, there was a lot of early I, week action. Some services came in on the Chargers, and then as the week went on, more and more Bills money came in to get that back closer to the opener, like 13, 13 and a half. Yeah, I felt like I saw a thirteen and a half uh, at close. So if that sort of a number comes up again, I think I'd likely bet the Patriots here. I've already bet the Patriots. I took it at twelve and a half. Um, certainly understand your points of potentially trying to get the 13. I just, I would be surprised if there's that much action to come in on the bills. Like we saw last week, just because of the defensive matchup here, you mentioned it. The fact that they've like, it's, it's weird, right? Like we, we talked about Patrick Mahomes in that offense and how they're trying to figure things out. The bills go through their offensive coordinator change and they're not only trying to be more balanced but they are literally the most run heavy team in the nfl over the past three weeks it's wild and on top of that this is a matchup against the patriots who are number one stop in the run across like every metric mo like every single one of them dvoa epa success rate this is the worst matchup if you want to run the ball and unless you're going down narrative street and saying well the patriots don't have anything to play for anymore well i think over the past few weeks here the patriots have shot that narrative right out the window with a couple of wins outright as dogs so um i just don't see how uh, this is not the same bills team that can go out and their style of offense of just chuck it all over the the field win by double digits and win by two touchdowns very easily it's just not how they want to play at this point you know they're they're trying to minimize mistakes so um certainly extremely likely to win the game but with the way they want to play it just increases variance so and and on top of that Stefan Diggs hasn't gotten anything going mo like not just not not just pedestrian games but like almost non-existent like less than 50 yards over and over again since Joe Brady has taken over and I, that's that is a problem for me once we get to the playoffs as well. You know, they can try and back their way into the playoffs here with playing this conservative style. But once they get there, if Stefan Diggs can't do anything, they're not going to do anything like they might win one playoff game, but 
they're not going to the Super Bowl or winning the Super Bowl if they can't get Stephon Diggs going, period. Like, they're not going to be able to rely on Gabe Davis like they did against the Chargers. So um, this was a pretty easy bet for me. It was the first one I put in this week at 12. And, um, yeah, just you have the Bills Super Bowl futures from a few weeks ago. And they've done what they need to do to get back into the playoff picture. But do you share my sentiment that the way they are playing makes you less excited about their ceiling? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, so one thing I would say is I'm kind of – I think they had the right idea. Stop throwing to Stephon Diggs 15 times a game. I mean, very bad for my Bills uh, stack that's in that <laughs> final that I talked about. But at the same time, I think it's just unhealthy how fixated they were on on throwing him the ball. When they do have capable other targets, I mean, Gabe Davis, I've dumped on him a lot, but he's like fine as long as he doesn't have to be like your clear-cut WR2. But I think with Shakir playing decent out of the slot, and then especially Dolan Kincaid, um, he doesn't need to be. So uh, I, I think spreading the targets around was a good idea, but more so I would be concerned with what you said, just less targets in general. And yeah, you're not going to the Super Bowl because of James Cook. Like, that's just not going to happen. So um, they do need to, uh, against better competition, ratchet up the the passing attempts i think and we've seen josh allen can be superman not only in the regular season but he has done it in the playoffs so that's what you want to see you want to see the ball in the best player on the team's hands so yeah i would agree with you this is a classic case of need coaches numbers as i as i say sometimes if you could text the bills coaching staff and they said we're coming out we're throwing the rock not going to run into the teeth of this Patriots defense. I'd be like, all right, they got a chance to to cover this number. But if they try to do the same thing they've been doing the last couple of weeks, it's probably not going to work. Yeah. Would love to have a couple coaches' cell phones. That would that would go a long way. <laughs> Although we'd probably get arrested. There's probably there's got to be some gaming regulation against that. All right. Uh moving forward here, another game on Sunday afternoon that you know, we, I don't think we'll spend a whole lot of time handicapping, but it's at least notable for the line potential line movement here. Bears hosting the Falcons. Bears are a full three point favorite here against the Falcons, a matchup of two teams that most of us at the lines.com basically have in the same tier. And the market has been hot and heavy on the Chicago Bears for multiple weeks now, Mo. They've been getting a lot of action, a lot of support. Uh, we did see a lot of support for the Falcons last week. Eli was on that. He was dead right. They whipped the Colts. All the money coming in was moving that line further and further, and I think we did get to a full three on the Falcons by kickoff uh, with the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. Uh, this is this is getting pricey on the Bears, though. So we have at least a little bit of early interest on the Falcons that have moved this slightly to minus 115 if you wanted to take plus three on the Falcons. Um just curious if this comes off the three, would you be interested in Chicago? If it doesn't, is it too much and you're going to bet Atlanta? It's just a very interesting game to me with a couple of teams that have been, um, you know, let's just say lightning rods for conversation in the betting community this year. Yeah, this was my two uh, most confident win total plays under on both of them. And I believe it's coming home in both, both cases. So that's that's good news for me uh, here in a month or so, whenever these things, a few weeks when they start getting graded. Uh, but this matchup, yeah, I, I think 
I somewhat understand why the Bears reopened at three, even though I kind of think it should be two and a half. So I'm wondering about Atlanta, but can we can we say it's never the Bears at three? Yeah, I just I, I wouldn't be laying three with the Bears here. Just just couldn't do it. I think that's at most where the line should be. It is kind of a nice matchup for them because they are so strong up front. They have been so good uh, on defense, especially uh, holding up against opposing running games. Montez Sweat out there setting the edges. And uh, you have a Falcons team that just, it's just at its best when they're pounding the rock. You know, I, I mean, it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is. If they're not, if they're in a must pass situation, it's probably going to be a disaster. I mean, Taylor Heineke was atrocious against. The Cardinals early in the season, they have a, a terrible pass defense. I, I just have no confidence that the Falcons can really move the ball against a defense with a pulse. And I think the Bears definitely qualify. I mean, it took the market. I mean, not the market. Maybe maybe the openers, like you said. Everyone's just been hammered. Sharps have been on the Bears every week, multiple weeks. Um, rightfully so. They keep covering. They keep winning. Uh, and now... I, I think the number is finally We've adjusted, yeah. kind of where it should be. Yeah, like I, I had the Bears 15th in my power rankings three weeks ago when people on our staff still had them 25th. I was like, guys, <laughs> not this me, is buddy. a solid team. Not this team. guy. Not, I'm right there with you, man. This is absolutely a solid team at this point. Like I've been, I have been shouting from the Megapod rooftops that – you can't look at the season long numbers with this Bears defense. They throw out the first month of the season where they are a dumpster fire and they're a very solid team. And on top of that, the offense has been good enough. Like and and most of the weeks, Mo, we weren't asking them to win games. We were just asking them to cover numbers as dogs. But that's that's different now. Now we need them to win by more than a field goal if you're back in three. So two and a half, I need to look into a little bit more, but um, I, I I agree the market's adjusted at this point, right? Yeah, and even like when you look at the season-long offensive numbers, like a lot of that still includes Tyson Bajan. I mean, hats yeah, off true. to him for doing a relatively solid job as like a completely unheralded backup with absolutely no experience whatsoever, not even professional, just but like even high-level football, like didn't even play D1 football, and, and he just comes in and, and plays like, a relatively decent warm body. I mean, that's better than you could have expected from most people in that situation, I think. So uh, I, I think all the numbers probably underselling that this is just a decent Chicago team. Atlanta has been, like Brett says, on gridiron gamble. It's just a yo-yo every week. They're a zigzag team. You treat it like NBA playoffs and just bet the opposite of whatever they did the week before, and you're probably going to be doing pretty well. Um, so <clears throat> I guess that would tell us maybe look at Chicago and this matchup. <laughs> I, I do wonder if it favors Chicago and, and being outdoors, you know, with a dome team on the road here, that's nice as well. So would consider Chicago at two and a half, maybe, but I, I still just wonder if that's the right line. Yeah, it's fair. Uh, overall for the season, Justin Fields only a 41% success rate, which is 27th out of 31 quarterbacks who have played at least 250 plays. But he does have a positive completion percentage over expected, which is at least some growth from what we've seen in previous years with Justin Fields. He's he's erratic, right? There's There's a big range of outcomes there at any given week 
with Justin Fields, but the defense has certainly raised the floor of Chicago in recent weeks. That is that is definitely for certain. Uh, final game we're going to talk about here, Mo, in week number 17, Pittsburgh Steelers on the road against the Seattle Seahawks. Early interest in Pittsburgh this week. This number is getting close to coming off of three and a half. We are juiced three and a halfs now for Pittsburgh on the road at Seattle. Total in this one sitting at lost my spot. Sorry, everybody. Total in this one sitting at 41 and a half. Mason Rudolph will start again for Pittsburgh. That has been announced. And for Mimo, I'm going to take the three and a half here with Pittsburgh because to me, this is another game between two teams that are kind of mirror images. Two teams with records that probably don't indicate the actual quality of their rosters and, and what they've put on the field. Um, but to ask me to bet Seattle to cover more than a field goal is asking a lot for me when you're facing a team that's kind of close to the same tier as them. You know, I know that when you look at our power rankings, Seattle is a top 15 team. Steelers are not. They're closer to 20 for most of us. But I just feel like this tier is all the same, basically. Like, it, you got to put them a number on them. You got to rank them. But I don't think this range of teams in the NFL, there's all that much separating them. So, and the last point of emphasis for me in betting this the Seattle defense has been bad they have not been good if you look at the advanced metrics on the season they are 29th by EPA per play allowed they are 29th by success rate allowed and most importantly for this matchup against the run which we know the Steelers when they have Mason Rudolph in the game just want to pound the rock with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren Seattle 30th against the run by EPA 24th by success rate I think it worse that the Steelers can keep this game close. So when I initially looked at this one, I kind of was wondering about the Seahawks. Uh, I thought maybe four and a half might be a fair number here, but I'm is, thinking... Is that a downgrade for Rudolph still? Like, what? why is that for you? I just like the Seattle offense. It's been playing well past couple weeks, although a little less well this week, although actually yeah, the I final numbers were... Okay, it was just like they just they they played much better in the in the prior weeks against Dallas and uh Philly. I I think since they got their tackles back, it just looks like a much healthier passing game. Um Geno Smith uh willing to attack downfield with strong weapons and then you have a situation where Pittsburgh has multiple backup safeties in that's a major concern for me I think one of them is maybe a third stringer <clears throat> and then you have Minka Fitzpatrick who just is questionable every single week and then doesn't play I feel like so I don't know when that guy's ever going to come back so yeah you might have multiple backup safeties here against uh, a downfield passing attack uh, that that basically depends on whether those tackles can hold up against these elite uh, edge rushers for the Steelers. I don't know, man. It's it's just on the Steelers end. You just you have a bad quarterback on the road on a cross country game. It's not a situation where I'd be feeling all that good about Mason Rudolph. Ultimately, that makes me. Well, think let, let me let me be clear. I do not feel good about Mason Rudolph ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean. 
Well, so ultimately, like that's making me think this line's fair, but a lot of the stuff you were saying it is making me wonder if the over is the play because honestly, that's what I wrote in my notes is that if I had to bet this game, I think I would bet the over 41 and a half. I mean, you have two offenses. I mean, dude, Mason Rudolph, say what you want about him, but he's at least aggressive. I mean, he is winging the ball downfield. Uh, George Pickens with some massive uh, catch and runs. So you have two offenses that are attacking downfield, facing off with two secondaries that I think it's rightful not to trust either one of these units. So especially if the Steelers are going to be hunting big plays, that kind of means it could be a big play either way, right? It could be like yeah. big Steelers play, could be a Mason Rudolph blow up, could be him holding the ball too long and maybe taking a big sack. Uh, so I'm I'm wondering if this total's too low. It is supposed to rain in this game potentially, so there is that. But without any wind, I don't think it's like a major concern. So I don't know. Forty-one and a half. If this total were to drop any, I think I would definitely try try and a small play on the over. I mean, I'm usually not as confident in my totals, but this number does look a little low, especially when you look at some of these recent Seahawks games. I mean, this past week notwithstanding, but they've had a lot of shootouts and. And this Steelers team, if they're going to be aggressive on offense, uh, they they can put some points up on the board. I mean, you saw what they did to a terrible, terrible Bengals defense. If they face a unit like that, they can score some points. The only 400-yard offensive games they've had uh, since Matt Canada and, and the firing have been the two games against the Cincinnati Bengals. So maybe I'm letting that color me a little too much in this game. Certainly open to considering that. Um, you make great points about the over might have to bet that too. We'll see. Uh, I want to wrap up with a quick note about TJ Watt in this game and the defensive player of the year market, because he's still the third choice around plus three fifty. Michael Parsons, the favorite amount around minus minus one fifteen. uh, miles Garrett, the second choice. What's it now? I don't want the analytics community to come after me here because I acknowledge that Micah Parsons and Miles Garrett are having better seasons than TJ Watt. Like they are getting double teamed twice as often as TJ Watt is, and their pressure rates, despite that, are much higher than what TJ Watt has. But the voters aren't analytically inclined, they look at counting stats, and we have two weeks to go in the season. And TJ Watt has 17 sacks and Miles Garrett only has 13. And TJ Watt has 17 sacks and Micah Parsons only has 13. Shouldn't his price be a lot shorter than plus 300, plus 350 right now, Mo? And I'm not saying I want to bet it right this second because Miles Garrett has an island game on Thursday night where if he wrecks the Jets offensive line, then it might change the entire dynamic of this. But if he has another quiet game, TJ Watts sitting right there. And if the Steelers go nine and eight, whether they make the playoffs or not, like aren't aren't they just going to give this to TJ Watt? So I actually think maybe the guy who's being underrated in the market might be Garrett. I'm a little surprised he's not favored over the the field to be like, honest I think, with you. I agree. Like I, I think they want to give it to him because this Browns defense has been amazing, right? Like they have that's been the storyline of this team. We've already seen Stefanski love for coach of the year with the voters. Like I agree they want to give it to him, but he hasn't done anything for several weeks now. And he's four sacks behind TJ Watt. So doesn't he still have to go out and win it? Like I don't think it's in the bag for him by any stretch of the imagination at this point. 
Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. Um, I think, so one thing that might be playing in TJ Watt's favor here, first off, I'll say, I think Miles Garrett, the the thing that's boosting him so far above Watt is just the team success. I mean, they have a better team. They have a better defense. Like, that's why I think I'm surprised that Garrett, especially with Dallas's defense kind of plateauing a bit in recent weeks and Parsons basically being a ghost in a couple of these big games, uh, just completely neutralized the last two weeks. So I kind of feel like Garrett should be above him, but at the same time, yeah, I do see your point on why. And one thing that I think plays in his favor is you brought it up earlier with the Browns. I, I mean, there's a possibility that they don't have anything to play for the final week. They're so far ahead of like these teams uh, below them, I believe, if double-checking. I guess they're only one game up on the Bills, but with the Bills having a tough schedule and being behind on the... Well, I mean, a tough schedule in the sense that they play Miami, but two games back uh, of the Browns in AFC uh, record, so it's going to be tough for them to pass the Browns, basically, is what I'm getting at. So, like you said, very likely they wind up in the five seed, so... Uh, final week could be a sit-down week for the starters, as weird as that sounds, for a five seed. Yeah. And then you have a Steelers team that's just going to be playing hard till the end, probably no matter what, but uh, especially if they have any shot at the playoffs final week. Um, and we know recency bias does play a role in some of these things. I mean, we saw last year uh, something like Coach of the Year, you know, uh, Sirianni, massive favorite, basically multiple weeks heading into the last last week. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, they gave it to Dayball, I believe, right? So, uh, yeah, we have seen final weeks uh, matter in these close awards races. And we might have a situation where Miles Garrett should should be on ice and and TJ Watt might be in there uh getting (laughs) maybe he's getting free sacks against a Baltimore team that's locked into whatever seed they're in. Yeah. And uh, I'll just put it this way for me. If Garrett has another quiet night on Thursday, um, I'm betting TJ Watt like immediately as soon as I can find a market open for him if he's three to one still. So I I agree. I think I'm pretty sure I haven't seen official clinching scenarios yet, but I'm pretty sure Browns win uh, this week and they're in. Now, I, I also don't think they're out of the division race technically yet. Uh, the the Ravens can lose to the Dolphins and the Browns win, and they still might have the division to play for in week 18. They would need help, but uh, that's in play here as well. So, um, But if the Ravens win and the Browns win, I think the Browns don't have anything to play for in week 18. That's kind of what we're looking at here. So keep that in mind. But if, if, it, if, if Garrett has another quiet night, I am going to be betting TJ Watt. Uh, to win defensive player of the year, despite the fact that I have a like a plus 200 somewhere around that ticket on, on Michael Parsons from earlier this year. I just don't think he's going to win it. And I think, uh, I think this is mispriced. So we'll see another interesting award market. that's going down to the, the final couple of weeks here. That's going to do it for this week's episode of beat the closing number. We are making a big push to get as close to 50,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel before the end of the Super Bowl. We're trying to get there. We need your help to do it. If we do, we are going to have a massive giveaway for you guys. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. Let us know in the comments what you're eyeing, what you're potentially betting here in week number 17. And we will see you later in the week.
for the Thursday edition of Beat the Closing Number. For Monawar, I'm Steven Andrus. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Best of luck with your bets in Week 17.